Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And here we are with a science fiction, speculative fiction, whatever you want to call it, episode for you today. Yeah, we we probably read science fiction the least often of the sh- three genres that we really focus on. Mm-hmm. And and it, we really get some really good ones when we do. Yes. Uh, so let's see if uh, this one, A Song for a New Day, stands up. So yeah, as Scott mentioned, we're reading this book, A Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker. And more than that, we have a little treat. We have an interview with the author. Yay! Sarah was kind enough to take some time out of her really busy schedule of promoting and touring and uh, wanted to talk to us genre junkies. So that's pretty cool. So look forward to that in between our first segment, the spoiler-free segment, and the second segment, the spoiler-full segment. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott, I would ask you what genre things you've been enjoying, but I think we all know your main focus right now is football. It is. It's the start of the season. The Raiders have had an interesting week. Uh but I'm excited. It's it's been really great. Uh it's nice to have it back. Scott loves football. He loves all the football. I myself am a Saints and a Raiders fan. Scott is a Raiders and Saints fan. So this in is those gonna, orders. Yeah, so this is gonna be a really good Monday because they're both playing Woo-hoo! on a Monday. Yeah, love it. So anyway, so that's what Scott's gonna be doing. You haven't had any other genre stuff you've been I really haven't. I mean, it's been a week between episodes at this point. We're coming out with this one early because we really wanted to read this book. This this book has, has really, you know, taken a lot of my time. So I feel like um, I do have some genre stuff to share. Do you? <laughs> I do. I do indeed. Um, we have guest spotted on The Cult Show before, which is a YouTube show as well as a, uh, well, you could listen to it as a podcast. Uh, it's based right here where we live in Northern California. And it's uh, kind of a fun little show. You can watch people talk about cult movies uh, with an especial, you know, interest in horror. And we did an episode a while back, and I've uh, filled in on a couple episodes, and now I am kind of officially part of the cult show team. It's so exciting, and you're really good on the show. It's it's a lot of fun. I I, I liked the show before you were on it. Yes, because I, we, I, we love everybody who's involved. Our friends, Kelly, Neil, Caleb, they're all amazing people. But I love you on the show. Oh. I'm biased, but you're... You and Neil have a really good chemistry, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we we've gotten some experience interviewing people, which is really uh, which is really translated yeah. really well into the show. Yeah, and um, yeah, we've got a couple episodes coming up of the Colt Show. We'll leave links in the show notes of where to find the Colt Show. Absolutely, um, we've got some interviews coming up, some really cool stuff, and you can actually see me like in person, not just a stagnant picture, but like see me talking. Uh, about horror and getting really excited and fired up because such a passion for me. And there's a couple of really exciting interviews coming up too. So so yeah. be sure to check it out. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say too much, but I also have another project in the works. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was sitting here going, wait, 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 you do? <laughs> You're like, you do? Which of course I know you do. I just... <laughs> yes, I do. Um, And that's all going to be revealed and talked about a little bit later this month. But yes, I, I've got my... I've got my creepy salad fingers and a few tasty spooky pies. And see look at you very busy content creator i am which is what i i love to do especially anything horror adjacent speaking of which next month is all horror all the time the most 
wonderful time of the year. Spooky October. Yay! So get ready for that. Um, if I can get myself together and release a TBR, that will be forthcoming. Uh, the books might not be in the exact right order. There's a little stuff in the air. We do plan out our episodes in advance, but sometimes scheduling conflicts change the order a little bit. That's right. But um, we'll try to keep it up to date. We'll also put it on Twitter and, and stuff. And the last two Octobers, we've always ended up with kind of a surprise book that we hadn't planned on, too. So And that's happened this year again yeah so (laughs) so we'll see how that all fits in it's just a fun celebration yeah all right but tonight we are squarely in the world of science fiction let me give you a synopsis of our book for tonight which is a song for a new day by nebula award-winning author as we mentioned sarah pinsker here we go In the before, when the government didn't prohibit large public gatherings, Loose Cannon was on top of the world. One of her songs had just taken off and she was on her way to becoming a star. Now in the after, terror attacks and deadly viruses have led the government to ban concerts. And Loose's connection to the world, her music, her purpose is closed off forever. So she performs in illegal concerts to a small but passionate community, always evading the law. Rosemary Laws barely remembers the before times. She spends her days in hood space, helping customers order all their goods online for drone delivery, no physical contact with humans needed. Then she finds a new job and a new calling, discovering amazing musicians and bringing their concerts to everyone via virtual reality. The only catch is that she'll have to do something she's never done before and go out in public, find the illegal concerts and bring musicians into the limelight they deserve. But when she sees how the world could actually be, that won't be enough. This is one of the few books that I did read the synopsis beforehand before reading it. Uh, And I think this is one of those rare books that for me, I was excited from the very get go because I had read it. I think that this book really hooked me with that synopsis. It's a really great, exciting premise. And in this world that we live in, um, you know, people <laughs> people killing one another, uh, especially in mass quantities in public places, is a disgusting epidemic, particularly in our country, which is the United States. And you can see how that fear and that anxiety of large people congregating could lead to banning things, limiting things. And we already have a lot of um, closed off sort of communication between each other and how if that was really leaned into, we could really do without a lot of communication and a lot of interaction in general. So there's, um, you know, there's kind of like your your branch where you're like, okay, I can see where this is going and I can see where she got this concept and this story. So how is this going to play out? And what do you give up if you if you give up social interaction for safety? What are you giving up? Yes. So on a uh, you know kind of surface level note, this book is amazingly uh, designed. <laughs> like the cover right? and the spine and the back. This is a super attractive book. <laughs> it is super rocky and punk. like like exactly not it rocky is... like Balboa, rocky like punk rock yes yeah exactly um it's like in cool shades of yellow and acid green and a little bit of baby blue and it kind of looks you know just the whole vibe the font the way the text is wrapped around the back it looks like a concert flyer there's kind of a ripped up picture of this really badass looking individual uh playing a guitar and just everything about it is super cool looking it it really sucked me in from the beginning i was like this looks awesome like this looks awesome yeah uh this this you know we were approached about this book and it was a book that we we chose to go ahead and uh review i probably would have ended up picking it up off the shelves anyway yeah just and reading it just just based on the cover cover by anyway because it's just such a cool looking i don't know concert vibe underground killer killer cover yeah so aside from that there's actually good stuff inside too i felt i love this book yeah so what was your experience with the book um, my experience is I would say this was a pretty solid page turner for me. Um, I I don't know that 
it would qualify as obsession for me because there's been a few books this year that I've been really obsessed with. And so, you know, it's it's just a little bit, a few degrees cooler than that. But there's nothing wrong with being a page turner. It's a wonderful thing to be a page turner. Um, I absolutely love Sarah's writing. And we're going to get more in depth about that in a little bit. But page turner for Sandra. I see what you're saying about page turner. And I respect that that was your experience with the book. For me, this book is an obsession. I'm not surprised. It is it is outstanding. If you have any interest in music, either creating it, listening to it, mm-hmm. this thing is going to be right up your alley. Yes. She has a way of writing the experience of going to a concert or performing live. Mm-hmm. She has a way of describing that that just gives you that same experience in yeah. words. And I can't think of a book that has really created that feeling Yes, ever. She knows exactly when to give you description and when to hold back. And somehow it's very emotionally charged. And I think, like you said, if you love music, if you love making music or you love seeing music, you like, you know that feeling. It's almost like a scent. It's like a sensory memory of seeing music that you really connect with live or creating it. But like for me, like I don't create music. I sing, but I, you know, I've never been like a performer or anything. So it's like, but I love seeing concerts. I love seeing live music, especially rock, punk, metal. Those are kind of alternatives, kind of like my genres. So it's like her describing this concert, especially through the eyes of like Rosemary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the act of seeing live music is so emotional. And it feels like you were there. Yes. I mean, it really does feel like, hey, I'm at this concert. And then, hey, I'm... I was at this awesome concert. It has that same feeling, which is astounding to me that she was able to bottle that and put that onto the page and make me feel that way. And you can tell that not only is she a really killer writer, but she is a performer. She's a musician and performer, and that's a big part of who she is and what she does in her life. And you can just absolutely tell that. And you can tell she's a music lover, too. Uh, It's really kind of a love letter to the live music experience and there's you know the kind of the speculative fiction stuff that gives you this premise of what would you be willing to do to experience that because you could like never experience it again once it's like taken away yeah and it's it's a really great premise to show the importance of music and community when even in times when it doesn't seem like it's important. There is a really um, beautiful through line in this book, which is the idea of community. And I think a lot of us, especially as bookworms, we like to be like, leave me alone. I want to be in my hovel and I want to read. But I mean, (laughs) at the same time, no human really fully means that because you do need tribe and you do need community and you do need the people you connect with. And maybe that is like online or maybe it's your biological family or maybe it's your friends or maybe it's people you found in the book community or the accordion community or the Pokemon community or whatever your thing is. But we all like intrinsically seek, like I want to talk about my passion with others. Yeah, and whether you're whether you're a reader all on your own or you're in a book club or you go on to Goodreads and you leave reviews and you discuss books or maybe you're a performer or maybe maybe it's just the people at work. Everyone is reaching out for some sort of tribe. Yeah, and some sort of connection. So she does this really beautiful thing too when she writes where she gives you just enough. She gives you just enough information, just enough description that your mind kind of fires off and like sews the rest of it together in the narrative. Um, And I think that that's something that I haven't experienced a lot of authors being able to do. And that's very seamless how she how she knits a story, I guess. It's really interesting for me to hear that from you as well, because this book does have very good descriptions, but it pulls back in a lot of places and leaves a lot to the reader to create, which is usually my wheelhouse and not yours. Right, but it's the way she does it where she gives you enough juicy little morsels to keep you like feeling, okay, I'm in your world, I'm feeling this, but then also you can feel 
fill it in with not only your own imagination, but maybe your own experiences. Like she'll kind of describe this sound that a musician makes. And it's like, oh, that reminds me of blah, 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 who I love. And so that kind of paints it for you. Like ways like that. It's so smart. And I don't know how she does it so perfectly, but I think it makes her writing super unique. And she does go into some specific musical terms at points in this book. Yeah. And she does it in a way where you understand what she's saying, even if you don't know the terms that she's referring to. Now, I did know 90% of them. If you all remember, Scott is a performer, and he is a musician as well. He's a very talented musician, and he he gets bashful about this stuff because I'm not saying he's a prodigy. I'm not saying he's Mozart, but he can pretty much pick up any instrument and uh, plunk his way through it. And he's very good. And for those those of you, and for those of you who are wondering, he can play the guitar, electric or acoustic. He can play the mandolin. He can play the chaunter. And he can navigate his way decently around a keyboard. I I love how you say chaunter. And a bagpipe. And drums. I'm sorry. He's also a really brilliant percussionist. See, he's trying to step on me. He's trying to be shy. No, no, you're talented. That's very sweet. I know a fair amount about music uh, because I respect music very much. And so it's kind of a little passion as far as knowledge wise. I I appreciate that. I I dabble when it comes to actually playing and creating music. Well, thank you. Thank you. And he sings too. Not as good as me, but he sings well. But so and I know you know a fair amount about, about music as well. I did get a varsity letter in choir in yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah, and they huh. don't just give those away. How, how did you feel about her? <laughs> how you have to be a real geek to get that one. Yes. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go on. I mean, you were in choir. You were in band. Absolutely not. What you would I have played band. in band? I don't play anything. Clarinet. Never touched a clarinet. I could see you playing a clarinet. I could see myself throwing a clarinet Actually, at you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, how did you feel about the, the musical terminology that she used in the book? Oh, I think it's very lame and acceptable. Cause I, I mean, like it's. Did you use the word lame? Layman. Layman. Got it. Yeah. I feel like it's very lame and accessible. Like, because you can pick up what she's talking about because she paints such a beautiful picture for you. And if you're into music and you're kind of like, you know, feel like super geeky about it i think it'll feel like real real nice for you it's gonna feel real smooth going down uh really really briefly before we get into the interview in the spoilers section i do want to tell you guys a little bit about the characters in this book because i think that's an important part of you know kind of the package here oh the characters drive this story yes the um the question is posed you know, this world kind of without public gatherings, and so then aka without live music. But it's the characters that make it alive, right? Because we have Rosemary, who is us, right? In a lot of ways, like we know about live music and public gatherings, but she's never experienced that life. So when she has questions about things that we as the reader might have questions about, like, hey, how does this work? And she's connected into, as they call it, hood space, which is kind of a really adept virtual reality online thing that everybody interacts through. It actually reminds me a lot of the the idea of Warcross, where yeah. it's kind of a, uh, a Warcross, altered yeah. reality where it's it's overlays on real, real reality it, as well yeah. as a way to drop into virtual reality it's some work across some ready player one and other similar media vibes like we all kind of know where where that world is because we're not super far from it in a lot of ways but anyway so like when rosemary has questions we have questions too and um so she grew up with like a, a fairly good connection to hood space but her parents aren't dialed into that world they're still trying to really do analog stuff so she's um but she's worked in this corporate virtual world for like six years so um she's really good eyes to experience this through she's also a very unique character to me anyway because a lot of her her traits and her fears and her hopes are still while they are shaped by an alien uh, by an alien situation 
and I say I say alien is indifferent and not in aliens from space. They're very relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a character who uh, has issues with being touched and with personal right. interaction. Well, because she hasn't a lot of experience in yeah. it, and her reasons are different than what yours may be. But how it how it comes out is a very natural human thing that there are many people who feel that way and i i really i really appreciate that in her i agree and um as far as Luce is concerned i challenge you to not love her like you reader at home i challenge you to not love Luce because she's amazing Luce is a perfect, amazing, badass rock woman. star oh my woman. God. Um, she's absolutely incredible. Her journey, you just connect with her and you feel for her. And sometimes she makes you really frustrated. Like I wanted to I wanted to shake her a couple of times, but she's smart and she's adaptable and she's a survivor and she's headstrong and my new favorite rock star and my new favorite rock star because she is she's real i'm sorry she's real i don't believe anything sarah tells us in this interview she's she's a real person and um i want to go see her play (laughs) in nashville or something uh also something that we feel like we should mention because it's a wonderful service this book is fantastically diverse there is a different you know ethnicities gender identities uh the two main characters are wonderfully refreshingly queer women and it is so so great this book is an inclusive masterpiece because that's what your tribe sometimes is is a diverse reflection and it's like it wouldn't be true if everybody was you know just the standard run-of-the-mill blah 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 like no it's it feels so real and genuine. And, you know, I have learned a lot over the past year, year and a half with our community on Twitter when it's come to the experience of others. And I'm always learning every single day. We all are. And I I have to say, this encapsulates all of the things and the complaints and the constructive criticisms and the encouragements that I have read from that community mm-hmm. in this book. It is, it's so amazingly inclusive and so well done when it comes to to avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that books like this seem to fall into for other people mm-hmm. it includes every race it includes multiple it includes it includes and embraces multiple gender and sexual and romantic uh orientations yeah it it is descriptive of people while not singling in on an individual type of race or or anything it's just so open and free and refreshing to see this huge diverse cast of rich human beings because that's our world and that's our country and that's our cities and that's our friends and our families and our communities and you know all books should be so lucky to to have such a beautiful reflection like that so i guess that kind of leads me into my appeal score which would be mass okay um i you know every once in a while you might meet people who quote unquote aren't into music it's not really their thing and i as someone who's crazy into music have a hard time relating to those individuals but um maybe they could see themselves in rosemary and become music fans because uh, my god no this is definitely a mass appeal book her writing is so beautiful and lyrical and has this wonderful blend of contemporary and also the science fiction vibes that i feel like it's a it's a good net that's cast that can catch a whole bunch of readers i really want to put this into the mass category um but i think it's in the broad category and 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 maybe not for the reasons that you would think i do think that you have to be interested in live music of some sort 
whether that be performing and not even necessarily music, but either into performance or into going to concerts. If you don't appreciate that experience, either of those experiences at all, which I can think of a few people off the top of my head that really don't, I don't know if this will resonate as much. That's my feeling on the subject. So mm. I, I'm going to put it in the broad mm. for that reason, but I think, I think that that's still fantastic. Okay, I'm going to have to agree to disagree about that one. I might not be giving enough credit to the masses. I might... You know, there may be less people who are that not into live music or performing than there really are. That's just my gut feeling on it. I would be willing to say this is one of those things that someday you're going to look back and be like, I should have said mass. Yeah, what the heck was I thinking? Yeah. I, you might be right. And we we both have those. Everybody who reviews things, I think, I, And has I have that. to say, I have, I have only once ever lowered a score in my head after time has passed. Well, I usually wrong. raise it. There's I nothing, usually raise it. There's nothing wrong with being broad. There's nothing wrong with being neat. There's nothing wrong with being any of that because, you know, a big goal of our show is to get the right books into the right reader's hands. But yeah, I would say perhaps you're selling the masses a little short. I, I might be. You might be right. All right. So let's go ahead and get you all psyched up for this interview. So this is Sarah coming up in just a moment. Sarah's an amazing lady. Uh, we're super, super lucky to have gotten this time to sit and chat with her. She's uh, very accessible online on her website, which she mentions at the end. And you should really take some time to do some research into Sarah, listen to her music, read some of her other works, because... I think you guys are going to really like her. We super enjoyed this novel. She is a really fun person. And this book is so good, guys. Just go get it. So good. Like, really. And it's already out. It'll be out the day this comes out. Yeah. So you, what's so your yeah, excuse? If you're listening, it's out. You have go no excuse. Get it. And the, uh, the interview is spoiler free. Yes, it is. So you really have no excuse. <laughs> All right, without further ado, we have the author, Sarah Pinsker, with us on the show. Welcome, Sarah. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Hey. Hey. So, Sarah, we really appreciate you taking this time. I know you're busy, but we are super humbled and honored to have you chat with us for a little bit today. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, actually, on that note, this has been quite the year for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you've got a short story collection, your first published novel. Uh, how crazy has this been? It's been it's been a year, and then you can add on to that that uh, you know there, there's another novel due. <gasps> um, so it's like getting ready for for um, for I had to you know promote both books and edit one and and write another um and yeah so so it's been a year wow uh, <laughs> it's been a lot but but it's all it's all the good kind of busy so so no complaints here seriously wow that's really really exciting uh sounds like you you might be due for a vacation one of these one of these days i'm sure that's a thing that that exists i don't know what it is personally <laughs> but, <laughs> but um if you tell me about it i'm sure i could <laughs> <laughs> I've I've heard of this vacation yes, of which yes, you speak. What is the thing of which you speak? <laughs> so, what is it about science fiction and and specifically speculative fiction that attracts you? Uh, I've always loved the the broader palette. I love literary fiction as as a genre of its own, and I love stories about people. So, this is a chance to tell stories about people, but with a few extra hues. You know, like mm. like you get to place things at a little bit of a distance you know five minutes in the future means you can put a little bit of a distance on things but still talk about now um just just exaggerate and and um so there's a lot of of fun things you can play with when you get rid of immediate realism i like that favor, that, yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yes in regards to the hoodie, there's some positives as well as some negatives, in my opinion. Can, can you talk about what you think the positives of that technology is? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you see that because uh, I didn't want it to be a black and white thing. Um, there's, there's definitely things that are beneficial about it if you think about schools and uh, the fact that right now someone can 
you know, have the misfortune of of living in a district that has, you know, that's impoverished and, and can't put money into his schools. Um, and there might be someone 10 blocks away who gets the benefit of a great public school just because they're, you know, over some invisible line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so kids are going to school in hoodies in the book and, um, and maybe those lines have been erased. So, so there's a little more equity in schooling. Um, maybe you, you want to go to a show and the band that you love always plays in basements, you know, and you can't get your, you can't get your wheelchair in there. Uh, so, so like looking at ways that it's accessible, that this makes, or, or economically, you can't make it to the next town over to see the band you wanted to play, uh, to see. So, so there, I think there's a lot to be said for that immediacy um, and that, that ability to bring things to you. But having said all that, if it's the only way, then then it's not it can't be looked at as a good thing, mm-hmm. especially when it's all controlled by one mega corporation. Right, right. Who probably doesn't have your best interests at heart. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I like that. And I like all those things that you said about the hood, because there is certainly an appeal to it. I also appreciate you mentioning here and in the book about uh, wheelchair accessibility, because both of my parents are, actually have mobility challenges. So I always uh-huh. like to tell them the revolution will be wheelchair accessible. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> like I think that. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and- as long as we, as long as we think about it, yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would. You, you want it to be something that's that's deliberate and not not just an accidental effect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like, and that's what we find in the internet today. There's some wonderful pockets of community and inclusion, but you gotta, you know, you gotta have a balance, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, uh, do you base your characters on people you know in life? Because they feel so real. Luce in particular. <laughs> I'm having a hard time believing that Luce is not a real person that I could contact right now if I wanted to. <laughs> uh, well, I will take that as a, a great compliment. And uh, there are elements of people that I know and or have read about in her but but she is not one particular person who I who I know in any way. No, mm, I don't um, believe you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean love that. Liz. I mean that. That is a. I consider that a, a super big compliment. Like uh, the uh, Elizabeth Hand's book, uh, Wilding Hall, which is a, mm. a, mu- a. It's like right on the cusp of novel and novelette. It's like forty thousand words, but it's a. It's a, a sort of an oral history of a band mm-hmm. and. Uh, there, there's like websites given and all kinds of stuff. And I kept looking, like I was so sure that band existed that I kept looking and kept looking for them, uh. even, <laughs> even though I knew it was fiction. So, so um, I, I consider that to be a, a, a great compliment, um, but you won't find her. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you don't base them on real people, how do you go about developing your characters? Uh, I guess part of the answer to that is looking at the question you need, at, like the questions you've posed. So here we we have some questions posed about what people would give up in the name of safety. Um, you know, what freedoms would people give up? And then we have questions about um, what would it be like to be someone who knew both before and after versus what would it be like to be someone who grew up with this being the only thing they knew? Is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Um, You'd probably be okay with it because it's kind of a cool space, all of that. So you take all of those things and then you say, who is the person who I need to tell that aspect? If you, if you want someone who's got the before and after and you're telling a music story, then, then the logical thing seemed to be uh, tell it from the perspective of someone who had been there. And, had, and then I liked the idea of someone who was right on the cusp, like she was about to make it. People were recognizing her song. And, um, and then her song, you know, it, it did go on to be big and she wasn't able to be out there and enjoy it. Um, so, so I wanted that to be the one person. And then... And then on the other side, um, you had Rosemary. I wanted someone who who could kind of look at everything through through new eyes. And it was a lot of fun going through the world with her and seeing things for the first time and seeing her mess things up. And um, that was that was a lot of fun to write, also. So what? So you've been writing for a long time. It sounds like. Uh, what's your favorite step of the writing process? How do you how do you go about approaching a story? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I, 
I mean, drafting is kind of wonderful when it's going well and painful when it's going poorly. <laughs> so maybe the answer to that is is like the second draft when when everything is there and you get to start adding. Like that's when like I'll be walking my dog and and like deliberately like like going extra miles in order to have these conversations with myself where all the little things pop in like oh you should have this person do this and then you, this person do this and like I'll write notes to myself on my phone and send them back mm-hmm. um so that then I get home and I, I start adding all of those little things in and then you can start playing with things and say what if I move this part over here what if I play with time a little bit um what if I you know make all of yeah, just all the little games you get to play then um, once you have the building blocks, because ma- making your own blocks from scratch is kind of a pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of your biggest influences as a writer and as a musician? Huh. Um, the, all right. So as a, yeah, that's, there's a lot of stuff to, in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind uh, of a two-part question, two-part I guess. question. <laughs> okay. But, um, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so as a writer, um, I am a huge fan of Ursula Le Guin, a huge fan of uh, Karen Joy Fowler. There's a lot of people who are on that uh, cusp, Andy Duncan and um, N.K. Jemison. There are all these people who are uh, who I think write beautiful, beautiful prose and also sort of dabble on the speculative side of things. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Egan's really good. Uh, Michael Shabon's really good. Octavia Butler. Uh, so if you're talking influences, uh, that's a, that's a good start. <laughs> that's a pretty um, good roster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a million that I'm not like, I, you know, my head's now throwing out names at random. Um, uh, that, I mean, just people who I love and, and I just want to say their names because I like them. Well, you um, can always tweet I, it to us later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But the list will just get longer and it's unnecessary because because I mean, there's wonderful people working and they're they're amazing and uh, and they write beautiful things. And that's that's that part. And then in terms of music, um, I'm a big fan of of uh folk and a big fan of punk and i think they're really kind of the same genre just uh told at different speeds yes um so so i love the anyone who's really good at at telling a story in song patty griffin does that and uh vance gilbert and uh disappear fear and bruce springsteen and uh britney howard and um you know there's there's just uh, I, this could also take an entire hour where I just spit out names of people that I love. Um, but, but um, any, any, yeah, the, the people who are, who are just like either, either great storytellers or, or just have those hooks that, that just like, I just, uh, yeah. Okay. No, I think we're picking up what you're laying down and we totally agree. Scott and I have had conversations about the similarities between, you know, musical genres like that, like punk and folk. That's, we're in that wheelhouse too. We like that crossroads. Yeah. There's a lot of music in this book. Uh, A lot of it, you know, seems like it may have analogs in the real world, but it's all, it's all unique. Do you have some of those songs written in your head? I do. I do. Um, yeah, you're the first person to ask that. Um, but I would never want to put them down myself, but I have on occasion thought I should like ask this band to play this one, and that would be really cool. Uh, but, but the other thing about writing, wh- something that I've discovered about writing about music is that the less you lock in the sound, the more room you leave your audience to make the soundtrack themselves and and that is ultimately super beneficial because uh, you want them to like the music so if you play something that they just happen to not not like it's gonna you know it's gonna lessen the experience a little bit they're gonna say how could that song have have moved those people in that particular way mm-hmm. um, but if you describe what the music did, to those people in that moment or how it felt to the people playing it in that moment, then they're free to uh, paint their own picture. So, so um, before this novel, I had a story called uh, Our Lady of the Open Road, which also featured uh, Luce in it. 
And uh, people wrote to me after reading that story and said, and I know exactly what she sounds like. You didn't describe what she sounds like, but I know what that band sounds like. <laughs> and, and the answers were amazing because some of them said uh, Joan Jett and some of them said the Distillers and some of them said uh, the Indigo Girls. And some of the, so, so there was this <laughs> huge range um, and they were all saying like a band that they loved. Uh, so, so uh I want it to be a band that you love that you're hearing. And if like, if it gets made into a movie or something, you know, then, then it gets locked down. But as long as it's on paper, you know, it's the same thing with, with, uh, you know, did the Harry Potter movie get movies get cast, right. Mm -hmm. You know, people, people can argue about what certain characters look like up until that becomes the indelible image of that character. Um, so, so for now I'll take it that, that no one knows, like I know the songs, but nobody else does. <laughs> that is, that's really cool. I, I hope one day we get to hear your versions of the songs though. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a musician and a performer yourself. Uh, how do you deal with stage fright? Is that something you face? No. <laughs> no. Oh, that's really cool. No, I don't. I mean, I... There, I have a fear of something going wrong that has often been um, not unfounded, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it doesn't have to do with stepping out there, and it doesn't have to do with playing in front of those people. Um, it, it's if the audience is for you, then you get this energy. There's this like feedback loop where where it just comes back to you, mm. um, and and it's it's all good if you're if you're like open to accepting it. And that sounds kind of touchy feely, but um, mm -hmm. the like I, I've seen performers who are so closed off in terror, like like uh, like early Liz Fair and Cat Power, like they're they're um, who are, who made great music, but um, I just felt bad for them. And there's sometimes performers who you see and and like there's almost a discomfort, mm. and I, I just feel like if you if you th there's no reason to be doing it if you if you don't love it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. No, that's really good. That's because, yeah, everybody has that discomfort sometimes when someone's performing and you can tell the vibe is not there. But that is really cool. That is really cool. There's um, there's an inherent fear and a, a, a terror when it comes to putting your work out there, both on stage and in writing. What are what are the similarities between performing on stage and, and putting out a novel? Um, performing on stage is a little more immediate. Uh, you, you know, so the music might've been locked in already, like on, on a CD or something, but there's still these, that, that was very archaic sounding, you know, like, like, <laughs> like it can be recorded. Um, but, and it has a, like, so that's a version and then you can go on to have a million versions, but a, a novel is interesting because you work and work and work and work on it. And then it has this form that is locked in. And maybe you can change a couple of words here and there in a further edition or when you're reading an excerpt of it, but it's kind of locked in. Mm -hmm. um, I also need to change one thing about my previous answer because I feel like I'm, I was a, there's one thing I was lying about, which is I, um, I love performing on stage mm -hmm. and I am terrified of karaoke. <gasps> really <laughs> i am terrified of karaoke um okay. that feels like an entirely different thing to me and um uh like and there so so i said like this feeling of something going wrong so like your guitar on a like if you're on a stage and your guitar like you break a string like you deal with it but it's still like the band goes on around you or you stop and you tell a story while you fix everything but i feel like like you get up to sing karaoke and it could change the key on you. The machine could change the key on you or the machine can like th the music isn't loud enough for you to feel like you're in the music. And suddenly you're like, <laughs> like this weird exposed person uh, just standing there. There's like, like, and I do it every once in a while just to prove I can, but I, but um, that does strike terror in me. So, so um, I felt like I wasn't completely honest as I thought about that because because I do know what that terror feels like. And it feels like me about to sing a karaoke song and not knowing what key it is until the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Karaoke nightmare. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Fair enough. I have to know, though, what's your go to karaoke song? All right. So, well, but, I mean, so that's that's the example. There, there are two I can think of off the top of my head where things have gone horribly wrong. Like one was, um, one one is um, 
Uh, so it turns out that me and Captain Marvel have the same like go-to karaoke song, uh, which is "Kiss Me Deadly" by Lita Ford. Love um, it, love except, it. Except, except if you um, if it comes in too high, like I actually prefer it to be a half step lower if they've got a machine that'll let me lower it. But if it go if it if it's a machine that's locked in and it's a step higher, like they sometimes do, mm-hmm. then then I can't hit it. And then the other one is um, I love. Um, uh, there, there's a band called K's Choice, which not everyone remembers, but they had a, a song called Not an Addict. And it's a great song, but it starts out with uh, which, uh, what I didn't realize until, like I had ne- just never considered until they hit play, was it starts off with these acapella oohs. <laughs> and you don't know what key they're going to be. Like, 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 I mean, you know what key the song was in, but again, you don't know what, <laughs> what it's going to play until like you've, you've oohed about eight <laughs> bars and then suddenly like you find out that you're in the wrong key entirely. So, so like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, that is a fantastic, I, I feel like at karaoke, people want you to fail. There's like a weird, there's a weird energy with karaoke. <laughs> Yeah, and and I mean, there's an there's a whole like other subculture involved with that. Like, uh, I have neighbors who are involved with uh, competitive karaoke, and the, I mean, they have better moves than I would ever have on a stage. <gasps> um, you know, and, and and that is that is some serious stuff. Um, I, and I apologize because now I feel like I've gotten us off on a tangent, and I don't <laughs> even remember what the question was. But but uh, um, I, I do feel uh, uh, the weight of of um, my lie has been lifted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Scott may have just found a new niche in competitive karaoke. I'm furiously Googling for competitive karaoke in my area. <laughs> yeah, come, come to Baltimore and we'll show you around. <laughs> uh, speaking of niches and of communities, I'd love to take a moment to be touchy-feely because I do like some touchy-feely stuff. And there's a wonderful message in your novel, in this novel, A Song for a New Day, about community. And I'd really like to hear what that means to you, found family, friends, community, and why that's such a heartbeat in this book. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I feel really fortunate to have fallen into a whole bunch of small communities that, that uh, just, you know, are, are good at welcoming people in. And, and, and like, I've, I've always felt that local music, if you've got a local scene that, you know, if you're playing in a band and then you play with the same bands over and over again, there's this great thing there. Found family. There's also a layer of that means something slightly different for, for uh, queer people like myself, like, like where, I mean, I mean, I'm lucky to have a family that has always been there for me, but not everyone does. And uh, there's this other layer where where queer people often find each other and and support each other through uh, through everything, you know, through through your book or through your tough times or whatever it is. Um, through uh, you know, some people have kids, and you know, sometimes you need that that extra family that that isn't the family you were born into but you can find these support networks and and science fiction has been a a, a great community as far as i'm concerned too um the the author community that i found the, the i just have met so many amazing people like they you know you always hear that it's hard to make friends as an adult <laughs> um and I haven't I haven't found that to be the case even though uh you know authors are kind of notoriously loners and uh, but but it's sort of like you spend a lot of your time alone in drafting and then and then you get to be together intensely for a few days and then move apart again. Mm. But but yeah, so I guess there's there's all these sort of layers and concentric circles and weird Venn diagrams of music community and queer community and writing community and, and they sort of um, and arts community in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I really do believe in those human supports and some of them you can get some of that online as well um you know you you can make great friends online uh but but i wanted i wanted to get kind of the the flesh and blood in there in this book too well it's really beautiful and it it meant a lot i think to both of us i think we both really felt a connection to that Mm, makes me makes me want to want to (laughs) cry and when i cry it's big fat sparkly black tears so (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you for the for the picture yeah (laughs) 
Well, uh, before we let you go, I, I wanted to ask you where our listeners can find you, where you're going to be. Are you touring as well as online? So tomorrow night in Baltimore, I'm doing a book release party. Um, I don't know what night you're airing this, so pretend that wasn't tomorrow night. That was September 10th. I'm doing a book release. Um, and then I'll be at New York Comic Con um, in October. I'm going to be at Blue Stockings in New York um, for a panel on music and social justice, which oh. I'm totally stoked about. Um, I'll be in New York for a September reading at the at KGB and then I'm doing I've got like a reading in Philly I'm doing a couple of festivals I think uh Nashville the southern um southern festival of the book yeah I'll be all over sooner or later like I I would love to get out to Seattle I'll be in Colorado probably in uh March but it's gonna be a while so so uh those are sort of in the works but not done deals and those are all book related or performance related uh, yeah those are all book related i'm kind of putting music on the back burner right now um if someone invites me to play then i play Mm -hmm. and i'm not like going out of my way to book any music right this moment um not because i don't love it just because i'm really lazy (laughs) 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 i i just need i need people to come to me uh i don't i don't have time to to book anything right now and then uh online it's um sarahpinsker.com is mostly up to date um that's s-a-r-a-h-p-i-n-s-k-e-r and twitter at sarah pinsker instagram at sarah pinsker all right that's fantastic thank you and thank you for coming here the genre junkies are gonna absolutely love hearing this interview reading this book Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you for writing a beautiful, wonderful novel as well. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for telling me. Welcome back to the spoiler section. How about that interview, huh? Oh, it's so great. (laughs) We love it. We love getting to sit down and chat with authors Uh, It's just really cool. It's just something really kind and a service that we are sometimes, you know, awarded to uh, get to ask them some questions about themselves and their work. So, yeah, always very exciting. So, Scott. Yes, Sandra. (laughs) uh, We loved this book. Oh, we, I more than loved this Is book. Is this in the running for one of your top books of the year? This might not be beat for top mm. books of the year. Now, Sandra and I, as 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 you all know, we don't normally number our, our best books of the year. It gets tricky because, yeah. I mean, things are different and sometimes you're comparing an, an apple to a yeah. cucumber. But right now, this book is real tough to beat for mm. for anything this book was just just phenomenal yes uh already something that we were super into and then an amazingly refreshing pleasant surprise too i would say yeah i was excited i was genuinely excited for this book and i knew that it was going to be i knew that it was going to be a fun book and mm-hmm. that it was likely to get a very good score there's you know there's some hype behind it like that's always kind of a good sign for me yeah and i from page three knew oh this is going to be different I-, I knew i was going to really like it from definitely the very beginning and it did not take me long at all to get into her style and to get into her voice and it's exciting because she's a new author for us so um you know you're kind of like learning her and getting to know her a little bit and i mean i don't want to sound like i was prepared to sell her short but words cannot express how thankful i was i fell upon my knees and thanked the divine that the two (laughs) women did not end up in a romantic relationship with each other right I, I and was... there wasn't tension. There wasn't any, will they, won't they? Like, it wasn't like that. Yeah, you can be two, two queer women, or you could be two queer men, or you could be two, you could be a straight man, a straight woman. You could be two people who are, quote unquote, sexually or romantically compatible as far as what your interests are yes. yeah and not actually and and not have anything there like that's okay it's called friendship it's called 
connection with another human. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that happens so often in books that a romance comes that's like really unnecessary or it's forced or it's, you know, a little too sudden and it's kind of instant and stuff. And it's like, you know, sometimes humans just connect, which is a huge theme of this book. And it, it gives me a lot of confidence in other things Sarah will write too, that she she thinks about her characters as real humans. The other thing that I really appreciate in this realm is how both of them are shown as being human being type of people. They're attracted to people. They're attracted yeah. to multiple people throughout the books. Yeah. And that's like kind of okay. People are attracted to people. <laughs> it's fine. And you don't Just have to find mean- the one. It's yes. not like, okay, this is the person that I'm now attracted to in mean- this story and it's all about yeah. this person. It's like, no, I'm I'm a human being. It and- doesn't mean at the end of this book there has to be some sort of grand romantic connection. Yeah. Yeah. Very refreshing. Um, I'd also like to say that they're very human and that they both kind of fuck up and they make some mistakes. Pretty big ones, I guess you could say. Rosemary, you know, she's very naive to this world that she's been thrust upon. She... I'm trying to think of how to put this in a great way. She's not stupid at all, but she doesn't know the diabolicalness behind the company she works for. But at the same time, not everything about that company is actually bad. Because look at her, for example. She had never seen live music. She'd never seen a stage hollow. And then she gets to experience it. And it's like, you know what? This is okay. It's okay to get your art to people any way you have to sometimes. And I found that really refreshing that um, Rosemary's still evolving. And, you know, we don't know if she's going to work for this company. How much longer? Is she going to get fired? Is she going to start something else? She's in an awesome punk rock way f***ing up the system from the inside. But at the same time, it's like she sees a lot of the good points of this technology. And it's it's really cool. This this whole book is a triumph of the gray area. It's a it's, a middle path. Um, exactly. Yeah, you know, hood space is a really scary idea. The the you know, when it comes to Ready Player One, when it comes to Warcross, when it comes to the idea of okay, now as a society, we are retreating within this virtual reality space, and in many ways losing our humanity. That's a scary idea, and yeah. this definitely goes down that path and discusses the the disadvantages to everything being run by what is effectively Walmart. Uh, <laughs> right. But it also celebrates the the benefits of having that sort of technology at your fingertips. Uh, for example, one of the things that really stuck out to me is, you know, how how Rosemary talks about how much easier it is because people have flags up for themselves. Yes. It says, you know, this is my this is my orientation, this is my gender, these are my pronouns, and it makes things so much easier and so much safer and so much kinder in a way. Yes, and of course it's like, you know, you don't have a lot of money. You're not going to be able to go see Spanish cathedrals or the Colosseum or the Empire State Building, and it's like right now our internet can help bring it to us and then with an even more advanced experience that's something everybody gets to be a part of um and loose don't be a darn snob about it (laughs) yeah i love how when she finally puts on the hood she even says oh well this is why people like it this is amazing right and and like the fact that rosemary is like i would never have discovered music i would never have discovered you and no one told me that that no one told me that people who used the hoodies had the experience of flying isn't that cool like don't you want to (laughs) fly like there's there's such importance to having a middle path and a middle ground and it's a really refreshing part of this book that I think is also kind of uh, a message of it. And I don't know if that was totally one of Sarah's, you know, goals to convey that message. But for me, it was well received. Yes, yeah, speaking of Loose, still love you, Loose. It, it's, I, got, I got you. It's nothing bad, but I did. That was one of the times when I, I wanted to shake her and throw a guitar pick at her head. It was, was when she was being so stubborn, and Rosemary calls her out on it, too. She's like, God, you're so stubborn. And it's like, yes, exactly. Like, chill. 
and you know, look at somebody else's perspective and think about what you could do to contribute good. And they're able to have a conversation over a long period of time, but they're able to come together and and find the positives of both because they're both coming from different directions. Luce sees no benefit in what has come in the after. And Rosemary sees nothing positive from the before. It was a scary time and now it's a now it's a a controlling time. Like they're coming from different directions and together they they find the best in life. Yeah, it's very important because, you know, there is scary stuff going on in our world, like we were talking about at the first part of this episode. And, you know, they get into the pox and, you know, like that's really scary. And a lot of people died from that. And then it turns Rosemary into somebody who like, you know, has such phobia and such anxiety about things. And, you know, same things with the bombings and the the threats and the violence. It's like, you know, if if you want to just feed that anxiety, then um you will. And you'll be, you know, sad. You'll be a sad person. There there are things that are kind of like kind of like a utopia in some respects. Like things that that so many people are fighting for and trying to make people aware of now. For for example, Rosemary not wanting to be touched does not make her strange and none of them treat her like she's strange for it either. And that's the same now. When they asked her, "Do you accept hugs?" That was so powerful because that is something that's important. No, and and I agree. It, but a little bit more in Rosemary's context is she's just not used to a person in real life oh. asking her for hugs. She she Turns out she rather likes hugs, but but she's used to only getting them from her parents. hundred percent. A lot of a lot of Rosemary's character traits are shaped by when she grew up, but none of them are unique to this story and unique to her. Wanting your own personal space is okay. Not being good with crowds as someone who had a panic, a legitimate panic attack in Disneyland because I. Happiest I, place on earth. I have I have problems with crowds and not feeling like I can escape. I f- I felt her. I felt her so strong when she couldn't handle the crowds of that concert. I still have this that now. And yes, in her case, it was because of the way she was raised. It was because of the world that she was living in. But Sarah treats it like that doesn't matter why. Well, yes, the fact is yeah. that she has it, and everybody there is 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 exactly what everybody wants. It's like oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you didn't like crowds. Let's get you outside. Let's, it's let's okay take care to have fears and it's okay to have anxieties and it's okay to have, you know, challenges with your health and your mental health and all of that. But it's um, it the part of it that makes it sad in the context of Rosemary is because she's never seen anything good come out of it. Yeah, and you are right. In her case, she does like hugs. She does <laughs> I do like come, hugs. She does come to like crowds. She these are things that she learns that she does enjoy and is uncomfortable with out of fear. Yeah, because she had no experience in them and no examples of why it's good. But but the people of the 2020 give her the space and give her the support mm-hmm. and and don't give her any pressure or timelines or expectations to change. They allow her to discover what she wants and what she's comfortable with on her own. Well, it's because they're a good community. Exactly. They're a supportive, healthy, happy community of of people. And so as frightening as that future is, and I will tell you that this book was also terrifying to me. Yes. There are there are moments in that book. There's a lot of things in that book that's so much better than what it is today. Yeah. No, it's um it sure makes you think. That's that's for sure. So I guess you could say we we rather liked the book. I guess you could say that. You you could you could say it was okay. It's all right. I suppose but- I suppose we should put a little little final score on this thing. All right. How many power chords? <laughs> I like it. How out many, of five. How many power chords out of five? I really like that a lot. Um, 
Great book. Wonderful book. Uh, strong book that elicits a lot of emotion and a lot of thought and just really made me very interested in an author and in her voice and her words. Uh I really can't say enough good things about it. And I know a lot of people that I want to recommend this book to on a personal level besides everybody listening at home and everybody who reads books in general. <laughs> but um, I'm going to give it four power chords out of five. There's little about this book that I can complain about. I wouldn't change anything. When I think about how little there is, there's nothing I can complain about. The way that she writes about the music, the way that she writes about performing, the way that she creates her characters and her community and her tribes and makes you terrified of this future and yet appreciative of the things that have come out of it is poignant and unique. This is five power chords out of five. This is... Standing ovation. Standing ovation. Third encore. I, 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 I'm not kidding. I'm going to be reading this book again next. Yeah, you want to read it like right now? Right now. No, I've already started it. <laughs> I've I already started the oh, book again. Oh, is that again? what you've been doing while we've been recording the whole time? <laughs> right? No, I, I'm i not a big book rereader. I never read a book twice in a row. I, I have already started this book again. Wow, that's a very, very high endorsement, um, I think, from anybody, but especially from our own Scott. Uh, timely poignant also funny book it's funny it is very funny <laughs> there's a lot of lulls i don't laugh out loud very often with books i you know i i laugh internally just like sandra doesn't cry <laughs> but i cry internally um i i guffawed multiple times in this book he really did i heard it and i laughed too you'll laugh as well well obviously if you listen to the spoilers section you did laugh all right, everybody, I think it's time for us to say goodbye so Scott can get some reading in before football comes on. <laughs> I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Stitches is sleeping in the corner, but, you know, she's a lazy producer. What can we do? Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Very excited. The next time we talk, it will be Halloween time. Almost. One more book before Halloween time. But it's kind of like an appetizer. Going to give you a little Halloween appetizer. Yeah, it really is. We're, we're going into full swing. Yeah. Very soon. Yeah. All right, everybody. Please keep reading past your bedtime. Mm -hmm.